Honest biblical counselors will tell you that, statistically speaking, most counseling is not successful if you define success as a person coming to you and you meeting with them for one to ten sessions or whatever that period of time is, and this person getting over their issue and they have long-term sustainable change. Biblical counselors are honest, and so I know that they would tell you that. Now, one of the reasons for this is because, well, we know that repentance is a gift. And so if a counseling season is, let's say, between June 1st and August 1st, so there's two months, there's eight weeks, and that is a defined counseling season, well, in order for long-term sustainable change to happen, then God must grant repentance during that season, somewhere between June the 1st and August the 1st, and there is no biblical counselor who has that kind of power, repentance is a gift. For long-term sustainable change to happen, God has to grant repentance. And if you're only meeting with this person between June 1st and August the 1st, and God does not grant repentance, then that change is not going to happen. I mean, you can water, and you can plant, and you can share, and you can build a relational bridge, and you can have many wonderful, redemptive-type opportunities, but I'm talking about long-term sustainable change. Well, that's one of the reasons that honest biblical counselors will tell you that, statistically speaking, that kind of change doesn't happen during counseling. You really have to be sovereign lucky to have where God is granting repentance at the moment that you're meeting with the individual. And it hasn't been my experience that that happens a lot. And so I want to talk about what is involved in the change process. And and so I've titled this podcast, this is episode 164, If You're Serious About Change, Do These Things. And so I want to come at this, not from the sovereignty perspective that God has to grant repentance. I mean, ultimately, that is what has to happen for a person to change. But there's also a human responsibility element to the change process. And so since we can't manipulate sovereignty, since we can't grant repentance, since we wait on the Lord to do that, I want to move the accent mark off sovereignty and and put it on human responsibility. And I want to talk about some things that you can do. If you are serious about change, then you can do these things. Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. I'm so glad that you are here, that you're joining me for this podcast. As always, if you have any questions that you want to talk to me about, go to our website, rickthomas.net. I would love to interact with you. Our team would love to interact with you, and you can do that. There's no charge for it. It is what we do. We have people who believe in what we do and they want to partner with us, and so they underwrite the ministry. They say, hey, Rick, we want to support you. We'll give you $5 a month. Some people give $500 a month. We don't want to limit what you want to give, but these people come together, and they partner with us because they believe in what we are doing, so they want to support us financially so we can continue to reach more people for the glory of God, and so people that can be changed effectually. And so if you have a question for us, jump on our free community forums 
and you can ask your question about this idea of transformation, or you can ask a question about anything else, and that would be great. Our aim, our joy, uh, the thing that we live to do is to serve you. We didn't (laughs) set up this ministry. I didn't set up this ministry in 2008 uh, for any other reason but to get the practical gospel of Jesus Christ out. That's what I wanted to do then, and nothing has changed except it's a whole lot bigger than it used to be. And so thank you for those of you who support. But the real idea here is let us help you. We are an interactive ministry, and so if we can engage you, that would be fantastic. If you if you have access to the Internet, jump on it, get your username, get your password, make sure you're logged in, and that's all you have to do. And you can ask us anything under the sun preferably pertaining to life and godliness, and we'll be glad to come back with a response and give you whatever advice we can give you. It would be our joy. This is, again, episode 164. If you want to read my show notes, you're welcome to do that. I have an infographic here. I also have a video that's going to explain briefly everything that I'm going to share with you, and the title If you're serious about change, do these things, nearly without exception. People who come to counseling do not have dependable, competent companions surrounding them who speak into their lives. Now, when I talk about competent companions, I'm not just talking about individuals, humans, people. I am talking about means of grace that God has given us to help us to change. And there are many means of grace that we can surround ourselves. Actually, what I've done here is I've taken Paul's language in uh, 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, rather, 15, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 specifically. And what I've done is I have flipped it around. He says, bad companions corrupt Well, I flipped it around and I say, well, if bad companions corrupt, then good companions can be redemptive, which is why I led with nearly, without exception, people who come to counseling do not have dependable, competent companions, whether that is an individual, a local church, or other means of grace, which I'll get into in just a moment, but they don't have those things surrounding them that speak into their lives. There can be many reasons for this, of course. And I want to share with you a few dependable companions that I try to implement into the lives of the individuals that I'm counseling. When someone comes to me for counseling, I automatically know that I am working from a deficit. They come out of, or they come from the chaos of their lives, Whatever that may be, whatever's going on in their life, it could be relational, it could be situational, it could be personal, but they come from some chaotic situation and they want to find order. They want to go from chaos to order, which is what God's word does. And so they come to me or they come to one of our counselors and we meet with them up to two hours, but they have 168 hours in their week. And so what I know, this is what I mean by working from a deficit, I have two hours 
to do whatever it is that I do, and then they go back into their lives for 166 hours. And if you could just put yourself, I mean, if you could think about being a fly on a wall in some of these people's lives where there is yelling in the home, there is cursing in the home, there is all kinds of things that are going on. That's what I mean by chaos. You're really working at a disadvantage, and I've always known that as a biblical counselor. I have always felt that deficit. And so what I try to envision my counselees with, this idea that you you need to fill up these 168 hours with more than just me. And so when I, it, that is one of the reasons that this ministry started in 2008, because I wanted to create good companions that I could give to the people so that they can take it home with them. And it's kind of like a, a clothesline. I don't know if you know what a clothesline is, but when I was a child, we, had a, we didn't have dryers where you put your clothes in and it dries your clothes. We had clotheslines and you hang your clothes on the clothesline. And sometimes if, the, if this wire line that goes from post to post, if it is too far out and you hang a lot of clothes on it, it dips down. And sometimes it can dip to where your clothes are like touching the ground. And so one of the things that we would do is that we would prop up the clothesline in the middle with another post. Well, that's what I try to do. From counseling session to counseling session, a person's life can really dip. And so I try to create context where I can prop them up between counseling sessions so that they can get help when they're outside of the counseling office. That's the idea that I try to communicate to people. And so what I want to share with you are some of the companions that I try to motivate, prod, encourage, envision, equip the folks who come to me because I don't want them working from that deficit. And I don't want them to think that counseling is the magic hour. They can come to counseling, meet for two hours, and everything is going to be okay. Not so, not in this life. That's not how sanctification works. It's kind of like fitness centers at the first of the year. People make their New Year's resolution. They're going to lose weight. They're going to get in shape. They go to the fitness center. And then in a month or two months, you couldn't find them on a radar. They can't, they don't do it. They don't persevere. In order for sanctification to work, there has to be perseverance. It's not easy is my point. And so here's some things that I encourage. Sometimes people, they buy into everything that I'm going to share with you. And then sometimes people do parts of these things. But I want to share about, it's about nine things here that I want to share with you. The first one is, and it's one of the most important things of what you can do to receive help as a counselee, is to bring a friend. Bring a friend to a counseling session. That is an excellent, that, that is a most excellent thing that any counselee can do. Imagine having your friend sitting in your counseling session, hearing what you are listening to and learning how to bring the, uh, bring the Bible to bear on your problems. What happens at that point? Your friend becomes an extension 
of the counselor because your friend can see you during the week in other contexts. When I, re- when I uh, developed a counseling center at a local church and, and o- gave oversight to that counseling center for a number of years, one of the things that I required, especially for people who came to me for counseling from other churches, it was conditional, and the condition was, I will not meet you for counseling if you don't bring a leader from your church to sit in on the counseling session. That was mandatory, and it was non-negotiable. They had to bring a leader from the, because here's what I knew. I knew what I'm sharing with you, that they will go back to their local church and they won't have any connectivity with any person. Nobody will know what's going on in their lives. And eventually, without help, you, me, and that person, we're all the same. We'll start dipping again and going back into our old patterns if we don't have these good companions that we surround ourselves with. For me, it was always a twofer to have someone sitting in on the counseling session that I can equip and then have the counselee, obviously, that I am counseling. That is a twofer. I am counseling one person and equipping the other. And so then you leave the counseling session. And during the week, you meet up, you do coffee. It's something that I can't do. I meet with so many people. I'm talking with so many people. I, I can't meet with <laughs> I can't meet with a hundred people twice a week. I can't meet ten people twice a week. And so you bring a friend with you. It's one of those companions that you establish in your life. And that companion gets free training in a counseling office to a unique situation, your situation, what you are going through. And then perhaps during the week, you're struggling with something and your friend says, you remember when we were in counseling and we were talking about this and Rick said, you know, this year like this and you need to, like, let's go back to that and let's talk about that. Let's talk about that again. What a benefit. Number two, another companion, I said earlier, this is one of the reasons that this ministry started in 2008, I call these micro-sessions, point number two, micro-sessions, micro-sessions, micro-counseling sessions, these are articles from my website. That's, that was the point of my articles in the first place. Many of my articles are what we call long-form content, 2,000 words. Long-form can be much longer than that, but... In my world, long form is 2,000 words. Short form is, you know, 500, 700 words. But a lot of my articles are 2,000 words. Eventually, over a decade, I have put virtually everything that I have ever thought about counseling into an article. This resource is inexpensive and extensive counseling at your fingertips. It's really remarkable that it's a buffet, and if a person is really serious about help, honestly, they could go on our website and just type things into the search box, and they can get all kinds of help. But one of the things that I want to do, let's say that I was counseling a person who struggling with communication issues, whatever that may be. Well, then what I would do is I would send them two or three articles from my website for them to read during the week. And so what I would say to them, I would say, I want you to take me home with you. And that's what they would do. They would take me home with them virtually 
through the website because the counsel that I give on the website is identical to the counseling that I would give if I was sitting in front of you. And so you can take the same theme of whatever the counseling is about in the counseling office, and you can read resources or you can watch webinars, but you can read these resources on the website. And, and now what you're doing is, you're, again, you're surrounding yourself with good companions. And so you have a friend that you have brought to the counseling session. You have these micro sessions, these articles that you read throughout the week. Number three is homework. Now, that's a standard practice that most counselors employ. And this is another way that I tell my counselees, you can take me home with you. My goal, again, is to extend the counseling session beyond the two hours that we meet. And so if they do homework every day, just a little bit, substitute, if you need to, substitute your homework for your devotion time. Because the most important thing in your life right now is to work through the current issue that you're working on. And so what's the point in reading some random passage of Scripture that doesn't apply to the most critical thing in your life right now? And so have 15 minutes of homework every day, 20 minutes if you have time, 30 minutes, but not necessary. But you are partaking in counseling every day. Let's say that we meet in two weeks, and in two weeks you have read five or six articles, micro-sessions from the website, and you spent 13 or 14 days, 20 minutes a day, doing some specific homework, whatever that homework would be. That homework would be pertaining to whatever the issue is. And so one good companion that you can surround yourself with is bringing a friend. Number two, micro-sessions, articles from our website. Number three, specific homework that you can do daily. And then number four, our member site, our supporting membership site, which is set up at, at $5 a month or $50 a year. It's not a lot, not a lot when you weigh what you're receiving. But our member site is a place where the counselee can, you can create a community. You can have full access to everything that I've ever written, all the webinars, all the forums, all the graphics and more. The truth is that you could spend an hour a day for the next two years reading, watching, listening, and asking questions on our forum, and you would still not exhaust all of our resources. And so articles is one of the ways, these micro-sessions, or you can just jump in the deep end. You can watch one-hour one hour webinars, one-hour teaching sessions on specific topics, and then you have a 24-7 life coach where you can get on our forums and you can ask questions that are pertaining to whatever it is that you're going through, plus all the other graphics and mind maps and other things that are on our websites. You can become a member of our website and receive all that information. A fourth companion, let's see where I am, bringing a friend, one, micro session two, homework three, Member site four, number five rather, is small group. It is imperative that, and hopefully that your local church, your local church should be a, potentially should be a vibrant, dynamic opportunity where you can bring the larger community of your church into the change process with you. Your friends can pray for you. 
They can ask you loving questions. They can spur you on to loving good deeds. Now, you say, well, my church doesn't do small groups. They don't have to. That's not imperative that they do small group life or whatever you call it, you know, weekly. But you can build one. You can find, take this friend that came to counseling and you two get together and bring one or two other people and you build a a small group. That is your small group. It doesn't have to be a program of the church, but you are surrounding yourself now with more people. And it's not just them speaking into your life, but now you're becoming a reciprocal community. You have enlarged your community beyond yourself, beyond your friend, and now there's three, four, five of you that are getting together, and you're a reciprocal community, and so you're building this community life, number five. Number six, one of the great companions, and this is an obvious one, but I want to state it anyway, the local church meetings, however many that you have, some have just Sunday morning, some have Sunday morning, Sunday night, some have Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And then there's other church meetings as well. Some folks do kids' programs during the week of various kinds and evangelistic opportunities. And there's so many different type of church meetings, meetings of the church, where you can gather together, whether at the building or someone else uh, or somewhere else. But these are wonderful contexts. There's wonderful context to worship God. There's wonderful context to be with your friends. Uh, some of these church meetings, like the Sunday morning meeting, is an opportunity to hear the preached word. The, this weekly venue gives you another opportunity to hear from and to respond from the Spirit of God as He illuminates you toward change. And so a huge one is is participating in the church meetings, primarily your corporate worship meeting, but all the other meetings of the church are critical to you for you to participate in. And then serving others, number uh, seven, it is serving others. The reason this is important is because it's the opposite of a self-centered lifestyle. I mean, the goal here is to overcome whatever it is that you need to overcome. And the way that you overcome it is not to be self-centered, but to be other-centered. And the way that you become other-centered is by serving other people. If you esteem others more than yourself, it will have a powerful effect on your life. Typically, we counselees, and I say we, we counselees are a selfish lot. That's how we become counselees for the most part is we are selfish, and what better way to repent of selfishness than to give your life to others? It, the way I describe it to people, it is as though God is working through you, and, and as He works through you and pours Himself into others through you, it has a flushing effect. It just flushes out all the impurities in your life by giving your life to others, by serving others. It just has a wonderful revitalizing effect in your own life when you're pouring your life out to others, and so serving others is critical. Number eight, another obvious one is prayer and Bible study. Now, these are assumed essentials for any person who wants to grow and change. You must be talking to God on a daily basis. And I'm not talking about, you know, five minutes in the morning. I am talking about that. But I'm talking about also praying without ceasing. 
that that is such a habituation in your life that it happens spontaneously. It's like you're walking to the mailbox, for example, to check the daily mail to see who has sent you something besides bill collectors. And as you're walking to the mailbox, God places someone on your heart and you say, Dear Lord, would you help this person with, you know, such and such. You're going down the road and, and you, you, God is moving you to it, it's just pray for somebody. That's just who you are. It's like the air that you breathe. It's not something that you have to conjure up. It's something that just happens to you. And so you have this attitude, this spirit of prayer, that is just as much as the air that you breathe to where you're in this regular, spontaneous intercession with God as opportunities arise. In addition to that, you have your own dedicated time with the Lord but I'm talking about both of those. And so you must be talking to God on a daily basis. That's what prayer is. And you also want God to speak to you on a regular basis. That's what reading his word is. And as I said earlier, that it's important that during, especially a, a serious season of sanctification where you are zeroing in on a particular issue in your life, let that be your study. Let that be your devotional time. Let that be what you're reading from God's Word. So you're not so eclectic. It's like you're focusing over here on these communication issues that I was talking about earlier, and then you're just reading random passages over here because you have to be reading God's Word every day. And I got to get through the Bible in a year. Well, no, my Bible study is almost always, well, I have two, two kinds primarily. I go through the Bible in a year, and that's just there. That just runs in the background of my life. But, and that puts me in the whole scope of Scripture in a year's time. But that's kind of a background thing. But my primary Bible study are about specific sanctification things or issues that I'm working on that are personal to me or personal to people in my life where I'm just looking in God's Word and trying to dig and understand God's Word because I'm never trying to study God's Word just to gain knowledge. I'm always trying to study God's Word to gain knowledge, but how to apply that in real-life situations. And so I have this background track running all the time where I'm listening to the Bible from cover to cover, where, so that's running in the back of my mind, but then I'm also studying the Bible specifically for real things, whether it's with, with me or, or for someone else that I may be serving. So prayer and Bible study. So these are good companions. I got one more, but these are good companions that you can surround yourself with. One, bring a friend to your counseling. Two, micro-sessions, articles that are pertaining to whatever the topic counseling topic is from our website. Number three, homework specific disciplines, things that your counselor gives you. Our membership site where you can just dive in the deep end and, and do so much more, plus interaction through our forum. Small group life, whether you have small groups or not, it's not important. Build one, two or three friends gathered together. Number six, local church meetings. The corporate meeting, obviously preaching and worshiping, but all the other meetings of your local church. Number seven, serving others, the opposite of the self-centered lifestyle. Number eight, prayer and Bible study, doing that. And then number nine, sharing with others. 
Sharing what God is doing in your life will give you further opportunity to walk in humility while permitting others to speak into your life. Sin has an isolating effect, which motivates a person to drift from the community. What better remedy than to tell others how God is working in your life? Come see a man. This is what God has been doing with me. And by the way, there's an ownership element when you begin to share with others. And what I mean by that is if you are able to articulate what God is doing in your life, what you're learning from counseling, if you're able to put that in your own words, almost to where you're teaching it, you will begin to own it. It'll become really real. It will become you. It'll become who you are. It'll become a part of your being. It'll become ontological, part of your being, the fabric of your life, if you can articulate it. Too often, it's like listening to sermons. We can listen to sermons and we can you know, say, well, you know, I learned this and I learned that. But to be able to articulate the sermon in a very practical way to someone, that's far better than the passive experience of listening to a sermon. Now you are actively engaging the sermon and it's becoming a part of you. Counseling should be similar. You begin to share with others precisely, accurately, practically what God is doing in your life. These are nine good companions that you can surround yourself with. This is episode 164. It's titled, If You're Serious About Change, Do These Things. Thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.